This is Terms of Reference. I'm your host, Stephen Laddick. Have you ever stopped to think about how many things in your life depend on the weather? Everything from your mood, to your travel plans, to whether or not you'll get to wear that awesome brand new pair of blue suede shoes you've been dying to show off. The weather is also, of course, important to farmers. Being able to predict when it will rain, or not rain, could mean the difference between raising a successful crop or ending up with a field of dead plants. For farmers outside of the tropics, weather prediction has gotten fairly accurate over time. And no, this podcast is not about global climate change overall. However, for farmers in the tropics, because of unique microclimates and rapidly shifting patterns, predicting the weather has been troublesome at best. And at worst, it just hasn't been available at all. So now enter my guest for the 135th Terms of Reference podcast. Sable Bender is the digital marketing and social media strategist for Ignitia the world's first weather forecasting service specifically designed for the tropics. Their current focus is on a product line targeted at smallhold farmers in Africa, and as you'll hear, they're producing some amazing results. I spoke with Sable in Accra. And hey guys, believe it or not, showing your support for this show actually matters. Please do take a moment to leave me a review in iTunes, or simply share this episode with your community. I especially love it when you comment on the blog because I get them all and I answer every one. All it takes is a couple of clicks, and it really does help. And if you're truly interested in making aid and development better, sign up for my newsletter and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode or an update. Now, on to the show with Sable. Hello, Sable. Thank you so much for being on the Terms of Reference podcast today. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me this morning. It's this morning. Let's see. So tell us where you are sitting today. I am currently in Accra, Ghana. Ooh. on the west coast of Africa. So, And I know, you know we'll get into what we're about to talk about later, So, but tell us, what's, what's the weather like there? It is nice and sunny outside with some blue skies, and I'm sure it's well on its way to being at just 90 degrees already today. So. Nice. And we're, we're having this conversation on December 1st in 2016, so I'm enjoying an uh, unusually cool day here in Bangkok, so maybe I'll, we'll, we'll blow some of that your way. You work for an organization called Ignitia which actually is, is quite fantastic because you were mentioned by Alexis Bennell, another podcast guest here, um, when she was talking about the Global Innovation Exchange. And um, you contacted us. And yeah, I love hearing from people, not only that they listen to the podcast, but also that you were one of the innovations that she highlighted. So why don't we start by you giving us the skinny on what is Ignitia? What are you out there doing? Sure. Ignitia is a tropical weather forecasting company. And to most people, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But I'm just going to say, weather... what the heck is... So... <laughs> you're going to have to just, right. you know, you're gonna have to blow that up. Go ahead. What's, what's tropical weather forecasting? <laughs> so the big issue is that tropical weather and weather in mid-latitudes, which would be like, you know, Europe, the United States, you know, kind of where you think of weather happening and maybe where you pay more attention to it. It's quite different than it is here in the tropics. And tropical weather happens very quickly and on a rapid scale. And it could be, you know, storming on one side of the village and not another. And that's how small and localized um, the weather is here. So um, Ignitia was born um, from a research project um, that our CEO, Lisa, was working on while she was um, at the University of Washington. And she just realized that there's not enough data and information to accurately predict the weather here. And over 40% of the world's population lives in the tropics. So they set out to make something better, and they have. And so um, at the root, Ignitia is a weather forecasting company. And then 
what we do with our service is um, currently we're, we work with small scale farmers to provide daily, monthly, and seasonal forecast updates. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> Before I dive deeper into the organization, how do you guys make money? Are you selling the service to these small scale farmers? Is that is that your business model, or is there a different way that you you stay in business? Right now, it's still early stages, so we have some good partnerships um, and funding that way. Um, but the idea is to be, you know, self-sustaining. And so the farmers subscribe um, for a very, very small um, portion. It's eight pesos, which is basically two cents a day here. And that, you know, averages out to be anywhere from like one to two percent of kind of their um, allotted input um, money for just regular agricultural needs, you know, such as fertilizer, stuff like that. So it's relatively inexpensive for the farmers. And the way we handle it here is everything is paid through mobile money. So they subscribe and we work with um, telecommunication companies here. And that's how we get money right now. And so the plan is, you know, to continue to expand. There are millions of farmers, um, you know, not only in West Africa, but in the tropics as a whole. So yes, as we are here, even in Thailand, I, I guess that, you know, this is a problem that <laughs> is surprisingly near and dear to my heart, simply because the listeners here on the show know I moved to Thailand from Costa Rica. So I've kind of been sitting in these microclimates for a while, which is super interesting that now that you're telling me there's actual scientific explanation to understand why it's raining on one side of the street and not the other, which I can attest does happen both here in Thailand and in, in Costa Rica. But take me back for a second. The person who founded the organization, you said she was at the the University of Washington. What was the impetus behind it? Was Is she a meteorologist? Is, was this her passion project? Did she stumble upon it? What? How did that come about? Yeah, so Lisa was working on a project, um, I believe it was with in combination with NASA, and it was looking at, you know, whether... And that kind of thing. And just along her, her studies and her research, she realized, you know, there's there's just not the information to provide, you know, accuracy, you know, the way you can in more developed parts of the world. And people here, you know, literally depend on, you know, their livelihoods for that information, you know, whereas we don't maybe think about that, you know, back home in the States or something like that, you're more concerned with, is it raining today? Do I need to grab my umbrella? And farmers here um, in Africa, they, you know, they depend on the rain for their crops and their yields. Things like water hoses and irrigation, they're not common here. That's not something people have access to. So it really is a big issue. So if the information is not available, how are you now suddenly making that information available? Are you saying that you're just combining data or analyzing data in a new way that's already available and providing that to these farmers? Or have you created a new, a new something, a new, a new data collection technology that allows us to now forecast and navigate these weather patterns? I would classify it as a new something. So <laughs> I like new something. This is, uh, this is, <laughs> uh, so this is a little more technical and it gets uh, a little complicated. And to be fair, it's it's hard to fully understand it until you kind of see a storm or something in action. But so what our scientists um, and meteorologists have done um, since 2010, they have been working on perfecting algorithms, just like all kinds of data from satellites 
And so they've created their own, their own set of algorithms to kind of format this information. And it's taken five years, five or six years so far. Um, and they're constantly working on it. But what we do is, is completely new at least to our knowledge, are the first tropical weather forecasting company, the meteorologists. They take information um, from satellites that are, many of them, located at um, the equator to provide more accurate information. And then they, they do their wonderful science and math, and they compute all of that. And then what happens is that turns out a, a prediction, a forecast for many different areas. And what we do with that is we process that to a very uh, GPS-specific location for our farmers and our subscribers, and then we send that out to them. And currently, our forecast accuracy rating is about 84%, whereas global models for the tropics have an accuracy rating of about 39%. So that means, like, if you go on on Google or, you know, a major news outlet and you go look at the weather for the tropics, they'd have, you know, less than a 40% accuracy for here just because, you know, where they're getting their weather information from is really, it's not specific to where we are. So I hope that explains it a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So help me understand, where are these master scientists and meteorologists sitting? Are are they all in the crowd with you there? Or are they distributed around the globe? Are they sitting in ivory towers and dumping this data down? Or, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what does Ignitia look like as as an organization? Sure. So our um, head scientist, physicist, meteorologist, Andreas, he is based here in Accra. And then we have another meteorologist, Daniel, um, and he is based in Sweden. And we have two supercomputers in Sweden and people You, far you more don't techie. own two supercomputers. <laughs> no, people far more techie than I uh, can do that. But I know that they house all of the data and that's where we get it. But the big thing for us is that our company we rely on satellite data um, for this information because ground monitors, ground satellites here, you know, they're so far spread apart and they're not well maintained. So it's just not a reliable source of information necessarily for us. And it's not readily available. So rather than building our own, you know, on-ground infrastructure across each country that we hope to be in, we're, we're working with the satellites um, and that's proving to be very effective. So tell me, how does this application, you know, actually affect a farmer on the ground? Like, you know, how does it change their farming practices or the decisions that they make? Or, you know, do you have a story about, you know, one of those great stories where, hey, you know, last year I I got two corn plants and this year I've got 10 million. What what kind of great stories do you have of success? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the big thing is whether impacts the farming process, you know, at all at all parts of it, you know, from the beginning, your land preparation to the seeds you're going to plant, you know, and purchase your fertilizer, chemicals, that kind of things, your harvest, um, a big portion of crops are ruined uh, just from the harvesting to the selling portion um, due to weather um, events and that kind of thing. So um, Enoch um, is one of our farmers and he's great and I have not had the chance to meet him yet, but I've heard nothing but good things. But he has been using our service for two years now. In the first year, he was able to double his cocoa yield. 
And that's great because cocoa is one of, you know, the most in-demand products. Ghana, I believe, is the world's like second largest producer of cocoa. What does that do for his income? I mean, is that does that more than double his income, or or I mean, does it is that like a like a total life game changer for him? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm not sure on the exact numbers and what the market rate for, for that is now, but yeah, absolutely, doubling his income, doubling his yield as well. Um, but then even. Even beyond that, and what I think is really exciting is that he received a forecast that the next season would be very dry. So he was able to save some money and use the extra money he had made to buy a water pump, which is very expensive. And, you know, he said, I wouldn't have known to do this without you. And I trust what you're doing. Um, and he's he's great. And he loves our service. And he, he's actually kind of starting to be an ambassador, like all on his own. And he goes and talks to people for us. Um, and it's wonderful. And then, you know, in the same sense, we have another farmer, a shy, and um, he scheduled um, some very expensive labor to come in and help, you know, with part of the farming process where he was and he got a forecasting it was going to rain very heavily the next day and so out of his faith in us he sold the labor for the day and sure enough the next day it rained and he called us and uh, he called Julie let her know that you know he was able to save money to plan this for another day and not have that wasted on the fact that it was raining so I mean it's really great to see you know farmers that this is really changing their life because like I mentioned you know farmers know how to and, and they know how important the weather is. Um, and it's just really knowing when that weather is happening and, you know, what it's going to look like and how that's going to affect them. So it's it's really great to see it making a difference in action. And it's wonderful that, you know, we have such a great relationship with so many of our farmers that they call us and update us and let us know uh, what they're doing. And, you know, from a communication standpoint, you know, that's great. It's feel good stories. But, you know, from, from a personal standpoint and, and being an employee at the company, you're really really validates what we're, we're doing and the importance of that and, you know, what a game changer it can be for people in parts of the world, you know, uh, where incomes are so low and many are living below the poverty line and this can really change things for the better. Always hearing a story and also knowing that you have a product where people are like, wow, this, this affected me in such a way that I'm going to take time out of my schedule to call you and tell you or, you know, just to relay feedback. I mean, that's I kind of feel like that's when you know that you've got something, right? It's important enough that people are like, hey, keep doing that because it works. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely the, the feel-good reassurance, I think, that keeps us going. You said you've been working on this for five years now or that the, the company's been working on it for the past five or six years. What are the sort of, what's the foreseeable future look like? Is it, hey, we've got a model that works, you know, you're 85% accurate or 84% accurate, which is, holy smokes, you've doubled the accuracy, right? Uh, already of right. weather prediction. Is there a company goal to say, look, we really want to increase accuracy to 99% or is it, let's get this out to the market and let's spend all of our money, you know, getting getting it out in the market? What are your strategies for penetration and, and sort of getting it out there? Um, I think if I was being perfectly honest, all of it, you know, <laughs> I know the meteorologists are always looking to perfect the accuracy and get it as, um, you know, close to perfect as possible. And just because that's one of the things, you know, that's a little bit culturally different here is that religion dictates a lot of the way people view things and how they operate. So, Many, many of our farmers and many of our subscribers um, associate, you know, the weather with with God or a higher being. And so 
you know, they're like, how do you know the weather? Are you, you know, are you talking to God? You know, what is this accuracy? Why isn't it perfect all of the time? And that's just, you know, maybe an understanding of our science and stuff as well. So when we're not right, it can be a bit of a bigger deal to some people just because the understanding of what a forecast and a prediction is perhaps isn't there. But in terms of rolling it out, I would say world domination, uh, specific to the tropics, probably. What is the, the scientific definition of the tropics? What are the, the Latin longs of, of the tropics? What's the band? So, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget the name. But I think there's like there's the tropics of cancer and there's the tropics of something else. Cap- Capricorn and cancer? The Capricorn, yes. And, uh, and so either of those on either side of the equator there, they constitute the tropics. And like I said earlier, I mean, 40% of the world's population lives here. And I think, I think to many, it's kind of a, a forgotten place or, you know, not necessarily somewhere of major focus. I'm not going to lie that you totally just blew my mind thinking <laughs> the reality behind a small hold farmer in Western Africa. I've never lived there. But, you know, the reality of them saying, look, this is a supernatural event, right? And suddenly, if you can come in and predict that, they say, are you... Are you speaking with God, right? You're the communication specialist for this company. How how much is that a struggle for you? How much is that a hurdle? You're bringing science to the table here for these individuals, and that's going to change across the globe, right? Those perceptions. Just when you're sitting in a craw there, how, how has that changed the way that you're approaching marketing this thing and getting it out there? We have, we actually have um, a field marketer, Julia, and she works with more of our on-the-ground rapid prototyping So she's a little bit more familiar with this um, than I am. But a lot of it is, you know, just having conversations. And, you know, I'm certainly not, I don't want to imply, you know, that farmers don't understand science or they don't understand the weather because, you know, they certainly do. And, you know, the people that we're working with have a very good grasp of weather and, you know, the fact that they need something reliable and what that is. So, I mean, yeah, the... The religious hurdle is, it's a little bit um, of a factor in our marketing. It's not, it's not as huge, um, you know, as one, one might think, but um, we do work with, um, one of our rapid prototyping projects was working with um, pastors of churches and imams at mosques um, as religious leaders and providing them with a free forecast so that they could, you know, attest to um, the accuracy of it and whether or not they liked it and then asking them, you know, if you, if you do like this service and you do feel like it will work and it will benefit, you know, your um, congregation, can you talk to them? And we had a, a good deal of success with that um, in terms of those people going back to their congregations and saying, hey, look, we tried it. And, you know, it works um, in terms of, you know, them being able to plan weddings and funerals and celebrations because that's very much a big cultural component here in West Africa. And then turning around and saying, I know that it will work for farmers and I know that other people can use this. Um, And having that validation helps. You know, that's certainly getting around to all of those places. It's a little bit of work just because Ghana in and of itself is a huge country. West Africa is huge. Um, Travel isn't always the easiest. But yeah, we are taking, I guess, perhaps less less traditional or maybe, you know, not not what people would consider normal marketing routes in order to reach our bases. Mm, I, well, I just want to let you know that you just put all of the chatter that's happening in our universe right now about Facebook micro-targeting to shame. 
I really hope that you guys put a case study together about how you know you you cascaded down through the the imams and the and the mosques and, and the churches into the community. That's that's fantastic, and I'm glad to hear that it, you were able to leverage those important community points to you know to actually reach out. And I, I love that you also you know you focused on things like funerals and weddings as a way to say, hey, look, we can help you do something that's important to you right now. And hey, now maybe this can also affect, you know, your livelihood as well. That's that's both super cool. You mentioned as well uh, a few minutes ago before that explanation about there's something of a forgotten land, you know, a forgotten part of the population. I'm wondering, you know, it's 2016 right now. Why are you the first company looking to forecast weather accurately in the tropics? Like, why wasn't this a problem that somebody needed to solve at Google or wherever uh, before that? Any idea? You know, that's a great question, and I don't think I have any concrete answers. You know, my guess would be it hasn't really been a priority. And, you know, I think within the last couple of years and the awareness of climate change and its impact on, you know, the globe, I think that helping farmers has become kind of the trendy thing to do. I mean, it's a necessity, but I also think, you know, there's definitely more emphasis on providing quality tools to farmers in other areas of the world because according, I believe it's the FAO has stated that agriculture is the largest employer in the world, you know, and I think it's something that people don't think about. So in terms of uh, weather, I don't know how much on the science side that that's been looked into. I'm probably not the best person to ask, but I think that, you know, there there are a lot of services um, to farmers that do provide, you know, weather and, you know, market rates for produce and things like that. Um, But I think it's one of those things, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, And if you don't know the weather's not accurate here, but you are looking to provide those services, then you would never know that there's a need for a tropical weather forecasting company. Mm. So what are the biggest challenges for you you as an organization right now? Is it finding a way to find sustainability in your funding? Is it, is it, and I know the answer to this question will likely be all of those things, but you know, if you, (laughs) you said it's, you know, it's, it's still early days and, and you're a small organization, but you know, is it breaking those cultural norms? Is it, do you smell a competitor coming along? Um, You know, is it trying to, you know, get somebody like Google to say, Hey, look, throw us a bunch of money so that we can make this 99% accurate. Which one do you feel like you, you kind of butt up against the most? I know. I think you're right. All of those. Um, it would be hard to pick one, you know, and I think it's different, different parts of all of that. Um, definitely the funding, um, you know, that's an issue. And I think that's, you know, it's a little bit easier as we grow, you know, we're fortunate to be working with, um, saving water for food SWIFT, Um, and that's part of, you know, the USAID global development lab. Um, and that, and that's great. And so we're thankful for that partnership. And, you know, definitely it's a learning experience. I mean, to be fair, we are a company of people from different countries who moved to Ghana. And, you know, as many things as there are the same, you know, here, it's like moving, you know, to a different planet or anything. But um, how things operate, you know, very different than I think how most people are used to. And I think one of the big adjustments is things don't happen quickly whether that is marketing projects or rapid prototyping or going to visit our farmers. Um, 
things take time. And I, you know, you mentioned it before we even started talking, you know, the internet connection and power that can be an issue. And it's not a huge issue, but sometimes it goes out and that kind of helps, you know, the day's projects and what we're working on, you know, getting around, like I mentioned, Ghana is a huge country. And I, I think that's another thing is people really underestimate the size of Africa as a continent and then the individual countries here. So, I mean, we have farmers that are great to work with and who we speak with regularly, you know, and we go to visit to learn more from them and, you know, see how we can improve the service and things like that. And sometimes those are 12 bus rides and mm. that's if there's no traffic and you get there on time and the, you know, the road's not closed and things like that. So I think that's just one of our biggest issues is, is where we're operating, you know, it's not like starting a phone service, you know, somewhere else, like in Europe or something, you know, where everyone has a phone and everyone has access to the internet. And so those are some of our barriers. It is nice because the majority of the people we're serving, you know, they have cell phones, uh, but they don't have smartphones. So that is why our service is text-based um, and arrives as an SMS. Um, it's not an app. Um, you don't need a smartphone. So we are able to, you know, penetrate the market a little bit more um, in that sense. But I think, you know, a part of it is just speaking to the awareness that tropical weather is different and that can be hard to explain. And especially being one of the first, you know, doing it, you know, there's some skepticism, you know, always associated with, with being, you know, the trailblazer for something like that. It's all of those things. <laughs> so speaking of which, do, do you know, are you truly the only service you know of out there that does this? Or is there, are there other people now thinking about this now that you've, you've put the science together that you've, you're sort of proving the model of, of it works? Sure. So there are other farmer platforms that do offer weather, but they are repackaging weather information from global providers. So we are an independent weather forecasting company, um, private sector. So all of our information is our own and it is, um, you know, it's, it's individual to us and other people don't have um, access to that unless they would like to work with us. But so the other platforms are just repackaging, you know, what you have and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, some information is better than no information. Um, so it's great that that, is getting out there, um, it would be better if it was the right information designed specifically for the tropics. I know, you know, we, we spoke a little earlier before the call and just, just to get to know each other and those types of things. You've been with the company for four months now. How'd you stumble into this? This is the first time I've ever even heard it. I've lived in the tropics for almost eight years, and this is the first time that I've ever heard of tropical weather forecasting. How did you sneak into this? To be honest, it more, well, I ended up in Ghana more by accident uh, than anything else. I was looking, because I was looking you for got on the wrong airplane or, you know, that's just what happens. <laughs> I didn't fully read the job description, if I am being perfectly honest. They had listed the position in Washington, D.C., and I was looking um, to do some type of job that involved agriculture because agriculture was very near and dear to my heart and uh I read it and I was like, yeah, this sounds really cool. I'd love to do it. And then at the bottom, it said Accra, Ghana. And I was like, okay, I'll take a couple of trips to Ghana every year. That'll be fun. You know, get to see somewhere new. <laughs> and then when they got back to me, they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's based full time in Ghana. So I was like, well, if I was going to move to Washington, D.C., you know, why not move to Ghana? It's a great country. I, I've absolutely enjoyed the experience. So more by accident than anything else. Um, I mean, the, the applying to the job was very intentional, but 
you know, I'm glad that I ended up here. It is really, it's really nice to be here. And it's nice to see our farmers um, in action when I can go out on the field and to meet them and talk with them. Um, just because I, like I said, agriculture is near and dear to my heart. And I, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to work on a farm. So I understand, you know, to a small scale, you know, what they're working with and, and what their struggles are. And I think that that's really helped me um, and communicate what it is that we do and why it's so important. Mm. I love hearing yet another confirmation of someone who's sort of in the business of doing good in the world and um, you completely stumbled into it. You know, that's, that's, right. that's I, I know you did say, you know, applying was intentional, but you sort of stumbled into where exactly you are for those of those people who've been following the podcast for a while. That's, that's one of the key learnings that we pulled out of this profession. There's no predictability about how you get into it. It just sort of shows up one day. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, a question that I like to ask when we're talking about these sort of innovative new ideas is how do you think that this ultimately ends up becoming something that's just sort of standard that everybody, you know, assumes it's going to be there. You know, like today, everybody uses log frames. Everybody uses, you know, outcomes-based reporting, these kinds of things. Do you, is there a plan or a, a vision in the company of, of saying, hey, you know what, at some point, you know, you know, you're going to be selling this to Yahoo Weather or, or Google Weather, and, and that's just going to be a standard reporting feature for anybody. You know, we're going to know your GPS, your location, and voila, it's going to be there. Or is there some other mechanism by which this becomes just sort of, something everybody uses? I mean, that would be wonderful. I know that there is, you know, there's talk and there's discussion and there's planning of creating a, a city um, app, an actual download that would kind of have more detailed information for places, you know, across the tropics, because the plan is to expand outside of West Africa as well. And like I briefly mentioned earlier, we use satellites, so it's easier, it's much easier for us to do that kind of expansion um, into other parts of the world. But yeah, I mean, we would absolutely love to work with, with big companies and say, look, this is the information we have, and it's accurate. And, you know, we have the, the science and the statistics, you know, to back that up. And here it is. And, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that that's important. But I think one of the, the biggest hurdles to doing that kind of like I mentioned is just making people aware that the weather is very different here. And it is hard to predict and all the more reason, you know, to make it more of a common thing. And I think, you know, what we can do and, and what's good um, since it's such a hot topic right now is, you know, climate change and climate adaptation, it is affecting Africa and tropical regions much more quickly and in much harsher ways than other parts of the world. So, you know, in an area where farmers depend on rain 96% of the time to feed their crops, you know, knowing when it's going to rain is absolutely vital and having that information and out there, you know, um, we do have the capabilities to go beyond that, but our service for farmers is, you know, whether or not it's going to rain today and tomorrow, the likelihood of that rain, what time, if we're able to pinpoint that. Um, and then, you know, predictions for for droughts or if the season's going to be rainier than usual, um, that type of thing. Um, and that's really allowed, um, you know, a number of our farmers to plan ahead and, and make a difference. Agriculture affects so much of what you do. And, you know, I, I know that that's that's not always kind of uh, forefront in people's mind. You know, a farmer has to grow your coffee beans and your chocolate <laughs> and the cotton, you know, you know, for your clothes. And so I think a big portion of that is just 
getting that awareness out there that, you know, farmers are vital to our, our very existence and we have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So, has there been I mean, any... that's probably a little more. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. You're, you're fine. I apologize. Just because of our distance on the planet, we had a little delay there. Um, <laughs> you mentioned what I think might be a very important topic. Is there any movement right now within the organization to talk to people like the World Food Program or FAO and et cetera, you know, about drought prediction, about food vulnerability prediction, those kinds of things? Is that even, is that something you guys would even purport to be able to be a contributor to or? Well, funny you mentioned that. We actually have some small projects with FAO and the World Food Program. Currently, a couple months ago, the UNDP and Impact Hub named us one of their international finalists for Accelerate 2030, which is oh, in response to the thank you. Uh, but that's in response to the Sustainable Development Goals. So yeah, I mean, we have been recognized and being able to work with these, you know, big organizations um, on some small scale projects is proving to be to be very helpful. Um, and it's in different parts of Africa. The World Food Program is in Senegal. Um, you know, a lot of our SWIFT stuff is, is here in general. Um, we also work with GIZ. So yeah, we're fortunate to kind of get in on those partnerships and hopefully, you know, all goes well and, and they love what we do and they love the results. You know, we can move forward from there and have a much bigger, you know, reach to the farmers we want to help. Mm. I want to just sort of point at myself for being a little silly. Right there on your homepage, it says that Solforex has selected you as a Google moonshot. That's pretty sexy stuff. I mean, I was even saying, hey, when, when's Google going to get a hold of this and help you? And so it sounds like that's <laughs> that's kind of in the works. Yeah, um, you, we've been fortunate very early on to, you know, what is it? Thumb elbows, rub shoulders, you know, with with some big organizations. And I think, you know, that those relationships are great. And I think, you know, what those organizations are really looking for is, you know, maybe some long term, a couple years worth of data. Because like I said, so our first year of, you know, public launch was 2000, a commercial launch was 2014. So we've really only been in full operation for about two years now. And so I think, um, you know, the more data that we can accumulate, the more farmer testimonials we have that show, hey, look, you know, this person doubled their yield, doubled their income, you know, that kind of thing. The more validity and credibility we have to move forward in working with those organizations. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, that's the goal. That's what we'd love to do. So. Mm. So I, the last two questions I have for you are two that I ask everyone during this innovation series here on Terms of Reference. And the first one is, who do you pay attention to in your space to stay up to date, to, to look for new innovations, to look for competitors, and, and basically just do a better job? Sure. Um, I mean, I think I've already mentioned I spend most of my time online, on Twitter, so I'm reading all kinds of articles all day long. And like I said, a big focus of ours is climate change, you know, sustainability, corporate um, social responsibility, those kinds of things. Um, So looking at other organizations and what they're doing in terms of that, a big thing I do is, you know, look to other farming platforms to see how they're marketing their service. Because what I do is very different than how we market our product directly to farmers. You know, mine is kind of large scale awareness and like I you know like I already mentioned very different than our on the ground work so one of the organizations right now is Godan um, they're creating an open data network for um, agricultural information which I think is absolutely crucial and 
I think that it will make everything better. You know, once you create a community and a platform where people can exchange information, you know, and bounce ideas off of each other and say, oh, hey, we didn't think to do it in this way or analyze this information like that. You know, I think that opens the possibility of creating a lot of new innovations and a lot of good changes. You know, at the same time, I read a lot of GSMA articles, which are mobile reports about, you know, how people use phones, where, you know, how much people use uh, smartphones or regular phone, regular phones, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So not quite as sexy, but a lot of big reports. CTA puts out some great information as well. And then, you know, we're also looking at other weather platforms and kind of maybe how we can change ours or make it more effective or, you know, split what we're doing with farmers and go into a different industry, that kind of thing. So a lot of reading and processing and, you know, just kind of taking what we like from other people and looking at that and being like, well, how can, you know, we do this or how does it apply to this and how can we work with those industries? So mm. I, I'm just imagining curling up with a hot copy of GSNA, you know, in the evening mm-hmm. over a cup of tea. Oh, yes. <laughs> Before our CEO, Lisa, left last night, she handed me two print copies and said, hey, these are really good. You should read them sometime. So I imagine that's what I'll be doing this weekend. (laughs) Awesome. The last question I have for you is you have been a fantastic aidpreneur and you you made the jump. You know, you said, I want to go work for this company. And you found out that it was in Ghana, not Washington, D.C. at the end of the day. As you've been sitting there for the last four (laughs) months. Is there another just sort of something that's super cool that's not related to to weather or predicting the weather or or farmers in some way that you think, wow, or maybe it is farmers, something that you think is out there that you'd like to give a shout out to that is just super cool? I mean, we have some good friends, more so uh, my coworker, Lizia, her good friend is, uh, he runs Peg Solar, which is a credit-based, like, at-home solar company, and they just expanded into Cote d'Ivoire, and that's really exciting. So, I mean, they're friends of ours. Uh, <laughs> we can give them a little shout-out. But, yeah, I mean, I think what's really cool in Accra especially, but all over Africa, is that Africa is such... Um, a place of inspiration, you know, not only for me and the company, um, but there are so many entrepreneurs here and there are so many people looking to solve problems. And, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit is very alive and well and active here. You know, I think when people talk about, you know, new companies and innovation, you know, a lot of that is like Silicon Valley or like what's Elon Musk doing and stuff like that. I mean, just all over Africa, you know, people are looking to solve problems and make their communities better. And I think that's admirable and it's exciting. You know, I think it's an exciting time to be in Africa and I'm looking forward to, you know, how quickly things change and what those changes will be. So, Sable, thank you very much for your time today. This has been inspirational and mind-blowing. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Terms of Reference podcast from aidpreneur.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes.